Welcome back to the Dare to Dream podcast. My name is Gregory Russell Benedict, and this podcast is meant to inspire you to embark on the adventure of your life. Today, I am joined by guest Cody Gold, and I am so excited for this conversation. I'm going to let Cody introduce himself, but the thing you need to know before we get started is that his mustache is almost as good as mine. Welcome to the show, Cody. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. So my introduction would probably be I am a full-time lecturer at Texas State University. I am a personal development coach. I do consulting um, with another friend of mine who is also a professor at um, University of Colorado Boulder. His name is Dr. Michael Burns. I've done countless different things from coaching a lacrosse team to running human resources for an emergency services company to campus recruiting and for a finance company, all of the above. I'm 30 years old and I also work at a gym. So it's all over the place in regards to the introduction, which seems it can be a little bit daunting, but I guess we're going to jump into all that and talk about it. But yeah, thanks for the introduction. I think that is perfect. And as I'm sitting here looking at your mustache, I, I think I have to admit it is slightly better than mine. We'll just clear the air for everyone listening. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I had actually somebody who was at the gym this morning and one of my friends and coworkers was like, do you dress up for Halloween at all? And I'm like, oh, no, I don't. He's like, well, you should dress up as Magnum P.I. And I go, that's funny because he is my fashion inspiration all of the year of 2023. So <laughs> I love that. So I think what I want to use as a jumping off point is what we talked about the other week, and it is the lecturing you're doing at Texas State University. And mm -hmm. I would love to hear about the topic, who you're teaching it to, what questions they're asking, and we can start there. Yeah. Yeah. So the lecturing at Texas State University, it is interesting. I got involved in, with them when I went to grad school there from 2015 to 2017. I started, I found my love for being in front of the classroom and helping individuals kind of like find their voice, if you will. I teach fundamentals of human communication, which seems like it should be the easiest class ever. And in reality, it's really not there. It's a mandatory class for everyone to take at Texas State University. And I teach anywhere between I guess I'm at 120 students this year that are 17 to almost 30 years old. So the the spectrum is really large. And um, what we talk about, we talk about anything from small group communication to presentations to um, conflict resolution we just covered, as well as listening, responding. So it's all the things that people think that they can do super well without any, any help and bring some more critical thinking skills to all those things that a lot of humans just feel like we should already be able to do because communication is the number one thing that we're predisposed to do. You know, when we're born, we automatically communicate that we're alive or that we're not alive through, you know, crying or blinking of eyes or grasping things. We're communicating. And when we pass away, we communicate that we are passing away through whether it be, you know, different types of aging, you know, situations, or if you want to get kind of morbid, it's like the stopping the actual conclusion of breath and heart beating. And that communication we refer to a lot as like all the things that we do, but sometimes communication is the things that we don't do. And um, just really helping these students understand the gamut of information um, that is communication and how we can help us on our in our in our daily lives to kind of master that. 
what do most people get wrong about communication, at least at the beginning? Ooh, that it can't be better than it already is. They feel like they they feel like they just are the way that they are, and they communicate. They're either good at communicating or they're poor at communicating, and that's the end of the story. When in reality, practice always makes perfect. Whether you're playing a sport, whether you are learning algebra or learning different types of crazy math or history or whatever, it's like you can always practice and be better. And that even goes towards listening and actually actively listening, which we teach our students how to do. But a lot of people work from the perspective of like, oh, well, I'm just not I'm just not good. And that's just kind of how I am. Or I'll be better, the, you know, I'll be better in the future. But it's like, no, there are active things that we can do to practice right now to have you be a better communicator, to be a better relationship manager interpersonally. And it doesn't just have to be a job somebody holds at a tech company. You know what I mean? I love that. And I would love for the people listening to this to have some tangible takeaways. You say that there are certain things you can do to become a better listener, communicator. Can we talk about some of those now? Sure. Yeah. Well, we talk about the five principles of communication. So that is awareness and then verbal communication, nonverbal communication, listening and responding, and then adapting. So those are the five principles that we base everything off of. And to be aware is not to only be aware of ourselves, but to be aware of the situations that we're in, to be aware of what the person is trying to communicate to us, being aware of our surroundings, all of these things. So the first and foremost, the biggest thing that we practice is like stopping and putting away competing messages so that I can be one-on-one with another person. Because we talk about interpersonal communication being between two people. And that's what interpersonal means. So the first thing is like, if we're we're thinking about a tangible way of being aware, it's storing away all those competing messages, whether it could be, you know, I'm having my roof worked on right now. So if you hear some banging around, it's like, maybe get to a place that's quiet, or maybe you get to a place where you don't have access to your phone or your cell phone or whatever, and you're just honed in. Then we talk about verbal communication of thinking in that we can kind of think about tangibleness of what do I want to say? And let me think about it before it actually comes out of my mouth. Some people have the ability to kind of just let stuff flow and then they work their way backwards. But what we teach and what we have to remind our students is that communication is non-reversible. Whatever comes out is your final draft. So Mm. it's good to think about a rough draft in your head, take the time that you need, and then allow the things to sort of come out. And I think that sometimes we get so antsy to answer and to to just respond immediately. We don't take that moment that we might need to actually get out the words that we need to get out. Or we don't have the relationship with that person to say like, hey, let me work this out while I speak to you. And then we can kind of come to an understanding together. So it's kind of another quick thing that we can do. And then we talk about nonverbal. So making sure that we are, I guess, championing, championing what we're trying to say to the other person through nonverbal means. So if I'm trying to build a relationship with you, am I leaning closer to you? Am I using my hands to kind of associate with a message? Am I facing you or if I'm not, am I not facing you? What, how am I making the other person feel and what am I doing to make them feel a positive affect towards me? And that's making them feel like they're the center of my attention. Now, sometimes this means that 
you know, I don't want people to take this as like, you know, really get up in somebody's grill and stare in their eyes, make sure that you feel like you're kind of honed in on them. But having eye contact is good in the American culture, not in every culture, but in American culture. Like I said, facing somebody, leaning forward a little bit and just being authentic to kind of you. We all have our own different predispositions. So doing that support, listening, responding, probably my favorite uh, principle of communications. And that can be just categorized as, you know, allowing information to go into your ears, rattle around in your brain so that you can make sense of these kind of vocal waves that are happening. And then from there, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is just the sound waves going into your ear and not sense making. But listening is if we anchor it to something that's happened in our life or anchor it to things that we understand. So we're trying to kind of always make sure that we are parsing out the things that we know and asking for clarification. That would be the responding part to say, you know, paraphrase, hey, just so I'm clear, is this what you're talking about? Or, you know, I've had a similar situation to that. And making making a communication interaction happen in a way that feels fluid compared to feel clunky. So we also talk about how it's somebody's sharing somebody something with you. You don't just respond back immediately and say, you know, oh yeah, that was great. Like I had a situation like that and it mine was better. It's like, no, allow that person their space and ask them questions about it. Be, you know, and maybe self-disclose a little bit, but you don't want to just go in hot and um, you want to make sure that you're getting their full story. And that's what we do through the responding part of the listening process. And then make sure that we adapt. So if somebody feels uncomfortable, how do we, you know, create space to to make them a little bit more comfortable? Maybe we're too close to them. Maybe they are kind of giving us some weird eyes and like we have to be zoned in to hear and, and see kind of what they're trying to communicate to us, maybe non-verbally or verbally. If they're not interested about us, how do we kind of ask them questions to make them interested. So you're just kind of doing some of those things and following those five principles to constantly create you know, valuable relationships. There is so much that came up when I was listening to you describe those five principles. Yeah. I wanna, I'll go in reverse order. The thing yeah. that you spoke to last that I think is really important and I'd love to deepen this a little bit is when someone is sharing an experience, instead of jumping in and saying, oh, I've had this happen to me too. And it was either better or it was worse. We can do that as a means to try and build connection and show the other person, hey, I've been here too. I understand. Yet it feels like if we come in too hot too quickly, it's almost invalidating their experience and making it about your own. So how do you navigate that tightrope between showing up with empathy and saying, I'm here with you, I understand first making it about you and taking away from them? It's mm, a great question. Everything, I'm going to answer that through a little bit of a riddle. So <laughs> everything in communication is contextual and it depends on the needs of the communicator or it depends on the needs of the people that you're having a conversation with. So if somebody, you know, the way that I would interact with that would be like, if somebody is sharing something deep to me that they are struggling with, for example, in coaching, we talk about this all the time. If somebody is explaining to us like something that's where they're really going, they're really going through, they're really going through it, struggling with it. They don't know what to do. 
instead of just jumping to the the conclusion of like, I've gone through something similar and you'll be okay. Maybe that person doesn't want to want to you know have that answer. Maybe somebody wants to be asked like, you know, in what ways can I assist you? you know, like, what have you done in the past that has you know made you get over a hump similar to this one? What about what about your situation right now? Are you proud of? Because it sounds like there's a lot of things that you might be upset about, but I'm sure there are things that you're proud of. So, what are some of those? It's making sure the person feels like your focus is fully on them rather than just trying to negate all the things that they're going through because you've gone through worse shit, right? Like that's that's the absolute opposite of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make people feel understood and heard and accepted, but we have to make sure we listen to them, understand their needs, whether that be asking or if you have a predisposition to knowing them and knowing what they need most of the time. But asking is good. Like, how can how can we help? How can I help? Like, what's you know, what again? What's been successful, or what do you want to do, or how can I help you get over this hump? Something along those lines. We've got to almost take that coaching lens, especially if somebody's in that type of situation that they're struggling, because at the end of the day, what I've realized is, you know, majority of the time they know their answer. Sometimes it needs a little bit of coaxing out. Yeah, it's so true, and. It seems that often doing the thing that feels unnatural to set up the conversation, to bring in more context, it feels clunky, but it can be really successful. Like asking, how do you want me to show up right now? Do you want me to listen and empathize? Do you want me to provide solutions? I am reading this book that you probably read, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Have you heard of that book? I've heard of it. I haven't read it just yet. It's all about the differences in communication styles between men and women mm -hmm. and how on average, I hate putting people an entire sex in a box, but on average, men are very solution oriented in their communication. Women are very empathetic and understanding. And I've started to notice in my own life how when I talk with my guy friends, if I bring something up immediately when there's some sort of problem or thing to solve, like they're just throwing solutions at me all of a sudden. Whereas if I bring that up with my friends who are girls, it's very much, oh, that's hard. I understand how that could make you feel this way. That sucks. I'm sorry. It's a lot of the just listening and responding back instead of trying to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And it's been really funny to start to notice that among certain friends. And the other day I had an experience where I was hanging with one of my guy friends and I brought something up and he immediately starts trying to fix it. And I, I didn't say this because he might not have the language that I have from the book now, but I was like, man, like, I don't need you to fix this. Like, I just want to vent. I just want to talk about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's been really cool to learn more about the two different ways to show up and how if you actually make that explicit and ask the person across from you, hey, how, and you have to have some sort of built shared vocabulary around this, but like, how do you want me to show up right now? How can I best support you? I love yeah. that question. Yeah, I think that that question, you made me think of so many great things, um, especially in class when we talk about rapport versus rapport-oriented types of communicators, masculine and feminine communicators. We teach at Texas State. I maybe I don't want to put this all on Texas State, but I teach that androgyny is what you, we should always be going for in regards to communication style. Being able to be masculine and feminine communicators at the same time. Being able to understand people, meet them where they're at, 
have relationship building qualities while also saying the task oriented part of things is also important. You know, what do you, what do I need to do for you? What do you need to do from me? And I've realized that similar to what you're saying is like, we have to have this kind of critical thinking skills to kind of ask ourselves, what do I need? Because majority of the time we'd never thought about those things before. And this is why coaching I think is really so important for people. It's not about all the tasks that they get from the coaching interaction, but it's about the skills that are built through the self-awareness muscle that coaching helps people kind of hone in on. And that is what communication for me really does. Like, yeah, sure, it builds relationships with people, but it also makes us stronger at naming what we're going through, what we need, why we need it, all of that sorts of stuff that I think we never really try to hone in on that skill until it's potentially too late or later in life. And I will speak for myself. I'm sure there are other people who fall into this category, but for most of my life, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to answer that question of what do I need in this conversation? My emotions were this thing that I would shove so far down and not look at for most of my life that trying to ascertain how I want the other person to show up. I don't even know how I want to show up because I don't know what I'm feeling right now. And so it's something to work at. It's not always innate. It doesn't always come easy. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think you're making a great point. What we have to also remember, and this is blending in my brain a little bit, is like, we're tr- we will never be perfect ever. We will never, ever reach that perfection level of being able to name exactly what I need or name exactly what's going on. And even though communication comes out in final draft, we can always be working in rough draft. And that's okay. Like We can always go back on things that we might need or reaffirm things that we might you know desire or need in communication interaction or in a relationship or so on and so forth. So being able to have the communication skills around expressing emotion and expressing what you need and putting naming feelings and and emotions and desires, the better relationships we can build, the better conversations we can have, all of those sorts of things, right? Because, you know, it's like you said, it's like, if I've never practiced it before, how is it going to end? How is it going to end up? Like the only way that you can hone in and, and be better is by practicing. But how do I practice? What are the things I need to do? And that starts with that self-awareness of knowing like what is what I need and what I what I don't need. That self-awareness is so key. And Cody and I are both coaches. We've both been through a ICF, International Coach Federation mm-hmm. accreditation program. And that was immediately what I thought on day one of the class was this is a class designed to help you be a better human, to help you communicate effectively, to help you understand yourself, but also understand others. And I wish that was curriculum for everyone. It should be required curriculum for life. And I love that at Texas State, you said it's a required class, this intro to communication. That is amazing. I mean, thinking about how much that would have helped me and everyone I went to school with is huge. Yeah, I think it's so funny. I'm happy that you you brought that up because yeah, fundamentals of human communication, the course that I teach is a required class. We just went over the chapter, what we call pugs, which is hilarious. You know, it's not even a chapter number. It's just called pugs. And what it is, is a conflict resolution framework. 
So you have to like P is you have to define the problem. So you have to be, you have to understand what the problem actually is from one side to the other of, of a conflict. You have to achieve understanding. You've got to brainstorm solutions and you've got to, you know, choose the best solution and then implement it. And we, you know, the way that Pugs works is that those things, I said them a little off, but those things are exactly kind of like the the framework of of working through a conflict. And the amount of students that I talk to that I've never thought about conflict resolution in their life and they're in their 20s or potentially even in their 30s are, is insane, right? And they're like, you know, I have students leave my class saying, this is my favorite class. You know, I would love to think it's all me, but it's not. It's because they're learning real world applications for things that they've never thought about before. They thought they might have grown up in a family where yelling at each other and gunny sacking, which is basically throwing everything in the kitchen sink at somebody, blaming them for all these problems and having all these kind of issues with them is just the way that life works, is the way that conflict works. When in reality, we are, we always are reaching to be cooperative, not co not like confrontational or non-confrontational. It's about bringing up your needs and communicating what you are desiring, how to get through this conflict. But so many people have never put you know, pen to paper or actual effort into identifying how to resolve conflict when it does come up. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a communication nerd. Like I love this kind of thing. And learning more about how to communicate effectively fires me up, mm -hmm. whether it's a model like you just presented. There's another one that maybe we'll get into later that I learned in my coaching program that I love. But how does one use these effectively? It feels to me like you need to set the stage with the person and you need to have talked about the conflict resolution model ahead of time. Otherwise, you get into it and you're using these strange words and they might be like, what the heck? Why are you talking to me weird? Mm. How how do you recommend using some of these models in real life communication? Yeah, I I look at these models similar to the way that we would look at like different theories in communication that we would learn in master's or in a master's degree. And the different theories range from, I mean, man, they range from like, you know, uncertainty reduction theory to, you know, endless amounts of theories. And the, the, the realization is implementation of these models and theories doesn't particularly matter to everyone involved. At least this is my perspective and I would love to hear yours, but it doesn't really matter what matters is that you are able to be curious and use the framework to kind of help guide and partner the the conversation to where it inevitably needs to go which is cooperation to implement a new solution and you know in regards to like the pugs model or the model that you that you're going to present you know my i guess my argument would be like it would be great if everyone does know but it's also on the person that has the knowledge to walk the other person through the situation in a way that is easy for them to understand, as well as curious from the other person in regards to hearing their side rather than saying, I know that this works, so this is what we're going to do. If that if you come in with that attitude, game over. You're not gonna get, you're going nowhere because the other yeah. person will be like, What makes you better than me? It has to be very curious in the sense of like, well, what's going on? Like, and you're kind of walking through those steps of achieving understanding and being to brainstorm solutions and implementing those solutions in a way that just feels natural rather than a way of saying like, okay, 
you know, person I'm in a conflict with, let's sit down and hit here, 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 here. It's like, that's going to feel weird. But what if I just had a conversation with you and I was able to fluidly fold things over about like, okay, so let me understand, Greg, that you and I are on, you know, different ends of the spectrum. Like where might we find any middle ground? And you're like, well, I hate this and this and this and you. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I understand. I understand that. I also hate this thing. Right. You know? And it's like, okay, there's some mutual understanding. Now from there, how do we build it together? So it's more of like, what we like to call it is a communication ninja to be able to like fluidly move through the world in ways that you won't get hurt or burned, but being able to know that people are always going to be kind of your enemy, but it's not, it, it but it's using their force and their kind of body movement against them to get them to, you know, where you want to go which could be defined as potentially manipulation in parts, which is why communication is really important for us to inform people about because of persuasion and manipulation and all that sort of stuff that could come up. The more kind of ingrained in the study you get, and then it can be used for kind of bad results instead of good ones. There's so many things I want to say in response to <laughs> that. The yeah. first is around being fluid with it. And I totally agree that if you're having a fight with someone and then you're like, all right, I'm better than you because I have this model that we're going to bring to the table. Let's take our conflict and slam it into this model. It's mm -hmm. probably not going to go well. And it feels like having some shared language, some shared lexicon around that model that you probably talk about before when emotions aren't high yeah. would be helpful. And that's what also comes up is to me, it's really easy to be the communication ninja when you're reading about it and you're learning and you're in this curious, positive state of mind. And then when you're in a fight or a conflict and emotional, it feels like, at least for me, everything goes out the window. Like you mm. just forget, <laughs> you forget the things that you've yeah. learned and told yourself you're going to practice. So that came up for me. And then another thing that came up when you were making the joke around, I hate this and this and you, and you're like, I also hate this thing. That to me feels like a major unlock in terms of finding common ground and getting on the same side of the table where you're looking at the problem together, not from opposite sides of the table where it's me versus you. There's some form of collaboration there. I, I mean, that's beautifully, beautifully said. And I think something that you you helped me see and what I, what I actually taught my students about or taught my students about last night is if you are having a cover, having a conflict with somebody. And so, for example, we use in class, it's like we, we teach a lot about I statements and we also teach a lot. And for example, one of the things is, you know, you're always late. Why are you so selfish is the quote that we use. And you know, talking through being on the same side of things is like, how can we reframe this person being late? to not attack that person, but to, I guess, solve the problem of lateness or solve, solve the problem of being not on time. Because that's the problem. The, the, pro the problem isn't the person. The problem is the action of not being there on time. So it's almost like, how can we come together to partner so that we are both on time rather than saying, you need to be on time because you're being mean if you're not it's like no it's like you know when when we're late to things you know i feel like that makes us a little bit more distant and that we might not 
perceive that we appreciate each other as much or something along those lines, right? You can say when you or when we, and then say your I statement after that. But it's, yeah, it's like looking at the problem as a third party compared to being a part of each other's kind of ethos of who they are. I think that, that can really disassociate in a good way to create some common ground. It also feels important to make sure that the other person sees it as a problem as well to talk about how for you it's a problem but the other person might be like ah it doesn't matter if i'm late i'm laid back it's chill mm -hmm. so communicating that something is happening that is bothering you and it's not their fault but yeah coming together to solve the issue to tackle it together feels powerful so one thing i want to go back to is something you said in the very beginning which is that communication is non-reversible mm -hmm. That is really helpful for me to hear because that is feedback I've gotten recently in one of my really important relationships in my life is that I'm the type of person who sometimes needs to just say things, get them out on the table, and then I'll be like, oh, I actually didn't mean that piece or this is what I really meant. Mm -hmm. And I kind of mold the clay and rearrange it into my final formed thought in real time, live. And I've gotten feedback that that is not helpful because mm. even if I didn't mean the thing I said, it has been said and it's out there, it's on the table and it's hard sometimes to forget what has been said. And so what are some strategies besides maybe increasing my IQ of being able to get that rough draft a little smoother before it's actually spoken into the world? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I guess maybe we can go through some coaching questions because instead of me just jumping to a conclusion to tell you what's going to work we've got to figure out what's going to work for you so i would love to start by saying what has created your perception you might have to respond immediately to things i like where this is headed <laughs> i don't think i have a perception that i need to respond immediately mm -hmm. I have a perception that saying something, even if it's not the final product, helps me get to the final product. Mm. So thinking while thinking through your thoughts, just make sure I hear you correctly. Thinking through your thoughts in real time helps you solidify the thought that you're dealing with. Yes. And a way I do that it's helpful for me to get it out of my head. So whether that's spoken and I'm kind of workshopping what I'm trying to say, mm -hmm. or another thing I'm realizing is journaling is huge for that. So maybe that's a step forward is for the important conversations, for the things that I feel like need to be expressed correctly, get it on paper first before saying it, because I do need to get it from my head to some other medium to mm -hmm. solidify things and bring it together, but that medium doesn't need to be verbal. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. I'm gonna pause and think about something because there's ideas percolating in my head, but I wanna make sure that I communicate them correctly. Do you know what the ideal 
communication transaction with this other person would look like? What comes up for me when you ask that is to only say things that are true for me, to put the thoughts, the statements, the sentences through a lens or through a filter rather of validity before I share it. Because sometimes I say things and I'm like, oh, I didn't mean that at all. Like, let me take that back. And that's where the co communication is non-reversible. Really, a light bulb went on for me is I'm trying to take things back, but the other person has heard it. They're already internalizing and assessing what is said. And so even though I'm taking it back, it might not be helpful. Mm, okay. Yeah, this is this is lighting up some some good stuff. I like using the metaphor of communication being um, communication being similar to or akin to painting, right? We start with the blank, or maybe we can talk about drywall. You know, how drywall sometimes has cracks in it, or there's like little white patches where people cover up the nails with putty and things along those lines, and it's kind of off-colored gray. the The first coat is the kind of beginning of our interaction. And that is the beginning of our interaction from the dawn of time, however we've started our relationship. And as we continue to have conversations, we can we continue to put more coats on it. But not all the coats of paint are the same color. So sometimes we need to put, you know, you put a primer on and then you put red. But then you want to go from red to green. But then the green seeps through, or yeah, then then the red seeps through the green, so it turns into this kind of purpley color. And you're like, wait, you were this, and now you're just talking about this. And if we think about kind of communication as being non-reversible, we can't strip off all those pieces or all those different colors of paint. They're on there. They're they're that's staying. But what we can do is continue to put colors of primer on, and so that primer needs to almost be mixed between you and that other person. And so I guess I would ask to say, is there a, what do you perceive to be the root cause of the kind of communication butting heads of this person knows that you might work in a certain way that's speaking in rough draft, but they might not be predisposed to liking it. Like, have you ever asked how you could meet in the middle? Short answer, no. So that feels like a great place to start because right now I'm coming up with my own ideas of what might work instead of asking, like we were talking about earlier, how can we approach this issue together from the same side of the table? So that feels powerful. And I think it's also a bit of me expressing how I feel in the moment versus expressing how I actually feel overall. So I think there's a little bit of, I think slowing down in this situation would be helpful because mm. the speaking, putting words on the table, rearranging them, trying to figure out what I really mean is the 
rapid approach. It's trying to figure it out right away versus Mm -hmm. slowing down, journaling about it, doing those rough drafts in my own space before I bring it to the official printing press feels powerful. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm still working about a metaphor of painting. And before you put the the next coat on, you've got to make sure your paint is dry. Mm. Right? And if we think about this and through your perspective of feeling like you might need some time, I guess I would love to hear from you to say, what do you now feel like you want to say to this other person to make sure that you can achieve understanding in regards to this quote unquote conflict that you might have or misalignment? I think just sharing that, as you said, I might need more time to figure out how I feel because I am someone who spent much of my life avoiding emotions, shoving them down, burying them as deep as possible. Mm. So on one hand, I do feel pretty emotionally intelligent sometimes, but other times I feel like I'm reverting to angsty high school Greg, who is incapable of speaking about his emotions. So if I find myself in that spot, just asking for a little bit of time, a little bit of space to workshop it so that pointing back to the issue, I don't say things that I don't mean. Yeah, I I think that's great. I also... Mm, now now coaching is really coming up in th- to my top of my brain but i almost have a request for i have uh, not almost i have a request for you and that request is next time this happens i i would love to ask if you could tell ask this person if they would be willing to workshop your feelings with them in regard in the regards to like both putting away your competing messages like we teach in class of saying like cell phones away phones away you know maybe it's over food or maybe it's just in the backyard or maybe it's somewhere that you kind of have one on one time maybe with a journal maybe without a journal but being able to say like i want to do this i'm i want to do this with you and having you here in real time makes me feel like I can really get out some of these things, you know, and ask this person, would would you be willing to workshop with me? And almost calling that a workshop because it, to me, can sometimes feel like you feel like you have to have everything perfect before explaining it to them. But what if you break that barrier down and show your imperfection and have them join you in that imperfection and see what that, where that could get you? So saying, I don't, necessarily know how I feel about this. Will you help me figure it out together? Mm-hmm. And you become cooperative in the conflict compared to saying that like I need to 100% know my side before meeting with you again. It's like you're disassociating yourself from the problem, even if the problem is the way that your brain was working, but you're disassociating it to say like, let's attack this thing together. And If you're on the receiving end of that, how would that make you feel? It would feel great to do the together approach and request accepted. I will definitely try this out and report back on it. And it actually brings to mind something from that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, in that men typically, it's called going to their cave. They Mm -hmm. 
remove themselves from the situation whenever there's a problem. They want to go think about it on their own and fix it. And I am suspect number one in terms of mm. doing that. And mm -hmm. I think bringing in a more collaborative approach and not running away whenever there's something I feel like I need to figure out and think about on my own, but mm. workshopping it and co-collaborating together feels awesome. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, I would love to hear. <laughs> I think that's good. It actually reminds me of like my partner and I go have gone through similar things, very, very similar things. And, you know, as much as I would love to say I learned a lot of that from my class or from my training, I learned a lot of it from her mm -hmm. and heard saying like, you know, I have I have trust and I want you to I have trust in you and I want you to be authentic to me. Like. I know that your brain works a bazillion miles an hour. And I know that you want to go to your cave and write down things to come back and report to me with. But what happens if we work together through it in real time? And I was like, I didn't know that that was an option. You know, the first time that that happened, I was like, seriously, like, I didn't know that this was an option. I had no idea. And then I, you know, we, we tried it together and you know, I still like you am predisposed to being like, oh, I need to know before I tell you rather than just like blurting it out. But if if you are on the same page, it could it, I think it could be really enlightening. And I'm just really fascinated to see how it, you know, pan, spans or, or pans out for you. I will report back. I appreciate you so much, Cody. I didn't realize I was going to get some live coaching about communication here, but I'm so grateful for it to wrap things up, bring things to a close here. I want to ask, where can people go to learn more about you to utilize this amazing gift you have, not only with coaching, but of teaching communication as well? Yeah. So I, I'm on a couple of, I have my own website that is codygould.com. I think my Instagram is handle is, my Instagram handle is Cody underscore Gould. Obviously, LinkedIn is just Cody. I believe it actually my LinkedIn is Cody James Gold, which is my middle name. And then I also do, I'm a co-founder of a business called Burns Learning, and that's burnslearning.com, where we do a, a communication consulting, which is kind of similar to this, but for a more corporate client. And it's been that's been really fulfilling as well. So those are the places that you can find me. Awesome. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your passion for communication, your patience yeah. for figuring it out with me in real time. This has been one of the best conversations I've had in a while. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Me too. Uh, it gives, gave me a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, I know that we have a great friendship, but, you know, excited to see how our friendship will flourish, you know, forward from here. 100%, man. I feel like we could do this for hours. I think we're going to have to do another one in the future. Yeah, sounds good. I'm totally game. Thanks for coming on, man. Right. Thanks again. <laughs>